0: Pastor Ed Ray offers this challenge. It is intellectually dishonest to consider reality only as what your five senses can show you. How could a truly objective person not consider the claims of a book that has changed cannibals into completely cultured people who trust God and then take the gospel to other places? Unreasonable, very reasonable. Look at the evidence. Evidence that demands a verdict.
1: Zion, I built with hands And in this place, God, to dwell with man Sick, be and the cripples stand Singing hallelujah My kingdom built with the blood of my son Selfless sacrifice for everyone Faith, hope, love, and harmony I said, let this world know me by your you've no doubt heard the saying, follow the evidence wherever it leads. Now, on the other hand, to not follow the evidence, hoping it can't be true, well, that's unwise. Today on Grow in Grace, consider some compelling evidence for faith in God's word. We'll find that in 2 Thessalonians chapter three, and we invite you to join us there as Pastor Ed Ray begins. 2
0: Thessalonians chapter three, verse one, Paul writes, finally, brethren, brothers and sisters, pray for us that the word of the Lord may run swiftly and be glorified just as it is with you and that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men for not all have the faith, but the Lord is faithful. God is faithful. Who will establish you and guard you from the evil one And we have confidence in the Lord concerning you, both that you do and will do the things we command you. Now may the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the patience of Christ. Let's stop there and we'll pray. Thank you, Lord, for this word of encouragement. Thank you that you are faithful, you are steadfast, never changing. Help us to see that now we ask in Jesus' name, amen. One of our Sunday school teachers sent me what she called awesome kids prayers from the fourth grade. Dear God, my mom tells me that you have a reason for everything on earth. I guess broccoli is one of your mysteries. Lord, please forgive me for hiding my sister's favorite doll. And please don't tell her where it is. <laughs> dear God, I need you to make my mom not allergic to cats. I really, really want a cat, and I really don't want to ask my mom to move out. <laughs> Boy, dear God, I hope my dog is with you in heaven. Please take care of him. Sorry if you choose on your sandals. God is faithful. Several years ago, there was a television ad that started with a woman sitting in her car, a close-up over there, and she's looking at something in her purse, and all of a sudden, a man rushes up and opens the door and drags her out strongly, and immediately you think she's being attacked, and then the camera pulls back. And the back of the car is on fire, and she didn't know it, and he's actually not trying to hurt her. He's trying to save her life. And then the news commentator comes on, and he says, you need the bigger picture. Channel 7 News gives you the big picture. Well, the ad actually has a good point, that we need to have a bigger picture. That's what Paul is writing about here to the Thessalonians, the big picture of God. He reminds the believers in Thessalonica, that God is still on the throne. He started out in chapter one by encouraging them about the struggles they were going through, the suffering, that in fact, that was one of the first cities in the Roman Empire that began to persecute believers. And so these young believers were going through that. And Paul's encouraging them not to give up in the middle of this persecution. And then we saw in the second chapter, Paul was writing about an explanation of the day of the Lord. Somebody had sent a phony letter to them telling them it was by Paul saying that they'd missed the rapture. And that whole left behind thing had happened to them. And he explained that the day of the Lord would start in such a way everybody would know that the entire body of Christ would move at once. So, these believers were encouraged by that. Here in this third chapter, He's talking about how they are to walk the course, the pathway that they're supposed to be on as a believer. He begins with requesting prayer for himself and the people that were with him. And then at the end of it, he closes by praying for them, these five verses. But right in the middle is this verse about God's faithfulness. I think it's interesting that we are in this book when our own nation is going through a time of upheaval and change. I've had several people from the church come and talk to me and and even some people outside of our fellowship who are really concerned about where our nation is going and, and the world. And some are worried about personal safety and security, others are worried about the bigger picture. A time of unrest and change makes us all a little uneasy. But we need to be reminded of this great truth that God is the same yesterday, today and forever that in fact, he is faithful. We live in a world of ceaseless change. It is constantly undergoing change, but God never changes. So, an important word for us today. I have some friends in the Marines and they talk about Semper Fi, or Semper Fidelis is the long version, but always faithful is the model of the Marines. I was thinking about that though. How many of you know someone who was always faithful that is always speaking the truth? Do you know anyone that no matter what the consequences are, they always tell the truth in every possible situation? That's a difficult concept to wrap your mind around because I really don't know anyone that always does talking to a young man, 20-something young man who this week who had just moved back from West Hollywood. He grew up here, went down there, and he came back. He was really discouraged. He said, there's just a bunch of phonies down there, and I need to get back out here where the people are normal. And (laughs) I happen to agree with him, but that's just a personal thing. So, he is uh, struggling with this concept, and he said, is there anybody who is what they say they are? The answer is, of course, God. So we live in this world of broken promises. We have leaders pledging peace, but secretly making negotiations that would end up in war. Marriages end over really trivial matters often. Presidents wag their finger at us and say, I didn't, when in fact they know that they did. So God is reliable. Paul drops that in the middle of this section, and I think it's a word for us, for you, for me today. If you're struggling with the changes that are going on, if you're anxious, if you spend too much time addicted to the news, then look at this third verse carefully and think about that concept that in the midst of all the changes that have gone on since the first century when this letter was written, about 51 or 52, everything that happened through the the hundreds, the 200s, and the 300s, second, third, and fourth century that saw Christians, millions of them, martyr. And then how God has changed it, and he's touched the whole world by his word. That's really what we're looking at here. Paul breaks this up into three sections, the word that it would be able to have free reign in the first two verses, that in fact, the Lord is faithful, God is faithful in verse three. And then he prays for believers there in Thessalonica, but for us too, all the way here 20 centuries later. So let's jump in and see what God would say to you and I about our own lives, starting in verse one. He says, finally, brothers and sisters, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may run swiftly, that it might be glorified just as it is with you. So, Paul is looking for the Lord's word, the Bible, to go out and touch the world. It's interesting to me that Paul doesn't make a personal request here. He's asking for prayer. He'll ask that he be delivered from unreasonable people in the next verse, but he doesn't pray for personal safety. He's not prone to discouragement because of that. I think that's the first nugget to pull out of this section of Scripture, that when we're focused too much on ourselves, and then difficult times come onto our lives personally, we take it personally, and we pout and say, God, why are you letting this happen to me? I'm trying to serve you. Paul understood the concept of being dead to self. He said he prayed that he died daily. He said that he was crucified with Christ. He means that his own plans he put on the altar, and he was willing to let God change them at any time. And that is a hedge against personal discouragement and frustration in our own lives. Paul sees that he needs prayer for his personal ministry to continue well. He's a humble man. He would write more than any other books in the New Testament or anybody else, but he understood his need to be empowered by God, that he didn't have any personal edge on the spiritual power department, that in fact it was something that God needed to do in him. So he prays for the people who had just recently gotten saved. Remember this church was only a year old, less than a year old something. And he's asking these people that he had led to the Lord to pray for them. That makes sense to me because I notice often that God answers prayers for brand new Christians in really amazing ways.
1: This is Grow in Grace with Pastor Ed Ray. He's been encouraging us to pray, for God is faithful to answer. To illustrate how God answers prayer, as we continue today's lesson from 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, once again... Here's Pastor Ed.
0: young guy who got saved here a while back came in and he was, he was so excited. He said, I was driving around Costco and I just prayed that God would give me a parking place and the guy pulled out right in front of me. Isn't that awesome? Why didn't I become a Christian a long time ago? Lord, why did you stop doing that for me? <laughs> I need a parking place. He does it right at first to encourage us along the way, right? So that the word of God would spread, he says, that the Greek word "trecho means to speed on. It's a picture of a runner in the Olympics, a cross-country runner, who is going around obstacles and jumping over them. And he's talking about the scripture that God's word would go everywhere. And in fact, it did he's on his first trip into Europe, right? This is the gospel coming to Europe, Greece, part of Europe, and it would spread all over the world from there. So Paul's prayer is in fact answered. He said the word of the Lord is like a sharp sword. Scripture pierces, it goes places. Now that's important for you and I to remember because we've talked about this before, but that we would use God's Word in our speech. Of course, it has to become part of us first. You have to memorize some verses. You probably know many of them already, just because you've heard them so many times. But when you speak them, the Holy Spirit empowers them, because He is in you. If you have surrendered your life to God, the Holy Spirit is inside you. And we often fail to use the tools that God has given us. His Word is penetrating. It has an impact on people, not that you see it right away, but that you would say even phrases from the Word, the Bible, the Scripture would have a lasting impact in people's lives. That's what he's talking about, that it would go on and on, that... It would release God's power into their lives. Secondly, he says he wants the Word to bring fruit, to be glorified, just that it is with you. Another translation says, received with honor by other people, that they would recognize as something unique. Paul's praying that others would recognize, would see that the Word of God has this power within it. I was reading this week a book about missionaries, their stories came across a very interesting one, a missionary that had gone to the Fiji Islands in the late 1800s, early 1900s. Now, I've not been to Fiji, but they tell me it's a really beautiful place, great tourist place today. Not so much at the turn of the century. Here's what he wrote. Somebody had asked him to give some proof that the message of the cross was working in Fiji one of his supporters, so we wrote back. When I first arrived at the new mission station on Fiji Island, this was my first job. I buried the hands, arms, feet, and heads of 80 victims whose bodies had been roasted and eaten at a cannibal feast. However, I have lived to see those very same once cannibals who had taken part in that human feast gathered together as believers at the Lord's table for communion. That's the power of God's Word in people's lives, to completely change their value structure, that God starts small in our heart, but He begins to change us from the inside out. Shocking story? Wasn't that long ago, not that unique. It Still goes on in parts of the world today. We have missionaries who come here, that are working in Indonesia, that talk about that happening, even in the far side of New Guinea. It's happening in South America, in some remote islands. Well, Pastor, that's really horrible. It is, but God's moving. The gospel is going throughout the whole earth. Paul's prayer is still being answered even now today. Maybe you're supposed to go. (laughs) I'm not going to cannibals. (laughs) Well, maybe you have the word and God would use you to change a whole people group. How about that? Translate the Bible into a language that it's never been translated to before? Whew, what a concept, right? Verse 2. And that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men, for not all have the faith. Not everyone is a believer, of course. Unreasonable. A specific group of men, evidently, that have been coming against Paul. And as you read through the book of Acts, you'll see that every place he went... There was this group of men that chased him from Philippi and Thessalonica and Berea and on down to Athens and over to Corinth, where he's writing this letter from now. So he is talking about a group of men he says are unreasonable. The Greek word means out of place. It's an interesting statement. Normally in the New Testament, when this word is used, it's talking about things being out of place. He's talking about people that are out of place, the only Time in the New Testament where it means people. He's seen that they are out of place, or we would say today, totally out of line, right? So that concept is that these people are unreasonable because they're coming against the creator of the universe, God Himself, and they think they can hold Him off. Paul says those who refuse to look at the Bible objectively are unreasonable. Now, if you're sitting here as an atheist or an agnostic or listening out somewhere to this voice, that should surprise you because so often the argument is intellectuals often say, well, that they refuse to believe the Bible because it's unreasonable. (laughs) No, no, you're being unreasonable to not consider it. It is intellectually dishonest to consider reality only as what your five senses can show you. That is the height of arrogance. I know that since I was an atheist for a number of years, that I said unless I could, one of my five senses could sense it, it must not be real. Really? You're the arbitrator of truth in the universe? I think that's a little arrogant, don't you? Well. How could a truly objective person not consider the claims of a book that has changed cannibals into completely cultured people who trust God and then take the gospel to other places? Unreasonable? Very reasonable. Look at the evidence. Evidence that demands a verdict. For not all have the faith. Paul says he wants these unreasonable men to be silenced or set aside so he can speak to people that don't yet have the faith that need the faith, that he's looking forward to that. Now, I was reading this book, Evangelism for the Fainthearted is the title of it, Floyd Schneider. He talks about something that happened here in this area. He said, a University of California student who was a believer found upon arriving at school the first quarter that he was to share a dorm room with a Muslim. As they became friends, their conversation turned to their beliefs. The believer asked the Muslim if he'd ever read the Bible. He answered no, but then asked if the Christian had ever read the Quran. The believer responded, no, I haven't, but I'm sure it would be interesting. Why don't we read both together once a week alternating books? The young man accepted the challenge. Their friendship deepened, and during the second quarter, the Muslim became a believer in Jesus Christ. One evening late in the second quarter, he burst into the room and shouted at the longtime believer, you deceived me. What are you talking about? The believer said. Well, he opened the Bible. and He said, I've been reading it through like you told me. And I just read here in the book of Hebrews that the word is living and able to transform lives. You knew all along that the Bible contained God's power and that the Koran is a book like any other. I never had a chance. <laughs> the believer smiled and said, so now you'll hate me for life? He said, no, the new believer answered, but it was an unfair contest. <laughs> Doesn't that encourage you to share God's word with other people or encourage them to read it no matter what their bend is? Absolutely. Now, here's the key. Here's the nugget, verse 3. But the Lord is faithful. God is faithful, who will establish you and guard you from the evil one. Faithful. It's a play on words. He, at the end of the last verse, he said, not all have faith. The same word here, God is faithful. Not all have the faith, but God is. You can trust him. God is trustworthy. The key to our lives. Many scriptures declare God's faithfulness. Now, just kind of sit back and take this in a moment. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 9. Know therefore that the Lord, your God, is God, and the faithful God who keeps covenants and steadfast love with those who love him. Psalm 36, verse 5. Your steadfast love, O Lord, extends to the heavens, your faithfulness to the clouds. Psalm 89, verse eight. O Lord God of hosts, who is mighty as you are, O Lord, with your faithfulness all around you. Psalm 119, verse 90. Your faithfulness endures to all generations. You have established the earth and it stands fast. God's faithfulness is more reliable than the earth spinning around the sun. That's what he's saying. God is faithful. God is faithful to take care of you. He says he will establish you and guard you. Two things here. The establish, the word serizo, is where we get our English word establish. Now we put an E in front of it. Old King James, it was established. Cerizo actually means to strengthen. It's translated that way in Luke 22, verse 32. So God himself will strengthen your walk and guard you. That's what he's saying. Now, we saw this concept back in the book of Philippians. In Philippians 2.13, it said, For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Living Bible's clear. For God is working in you, believer, giving you the desire to obey him and the power to do what pleases him. This is an amazing concept. Something is being furnished by God. That's what Paul wrote to the Philippians, to will and to do, giving you the desire to obey him and the power to do what pleases him. God changes your want to that's his promise that if you will come and surrender your life say god i surrender please forgive my sin then god will come and start changing you from the inside
1: great encouragement pastor ed ray wraps up our time with today on growing grace it takes all the pressure off for god can do it we've been in second thessalonians chapter 3 today if you missed part of today's message or would just like to hear it again, go online to thepackinghouse.org or call and ask for a CD copy at 844-77-GRACE. That's 844-77-GRACE. We're also on YouTube at Packinghouse Christian Fellowship. Your support for Growing Grace is not only needed but greatly appreciated. And those that do this month We'll send you Power Through Prayer by E.M. Bounds. Maybe prayer to you is just something you do without much thought before a meal or just another thing to cross off your to-do list. There's great power through prayer, and this book will help elevate your thinking about it to see how it truly makes a difference. This guidebook provides believers with information about the most effective way to use prayer to better understand God's Word, fully appreciate divine power, and more deeply commune with the Lord. Again, it's our way of saying thanks for your gift of any amount to grow in grace. You can reach us at 844-77-GRACE. That's 844-77-GRACE. By the way, we're big believers in prayer here at Grow in Grace, and we want to pray for you too. Our prayer is that you'll grow in grace as you study along with us. And if you have questions related to our study or a prayer request, please send those our way. Our email address is packinghouseradio at aol.com. That's packinghouseradio at aol.com. This program is brought to you by the Packinghouse Christian Fellowship. Zion, build with hands, and in this place, gotta dwell with man, sick be of my son. Selfless sacrifice for everyone. Faith, hope, love, and harmony. I said let this world know me by your love.